His is the power and the glory. And it is, brethren, of that glory and of that kingdom that I would speak to you today. Turn, if you would, please, to Luke chapter 2. This is a familiar passage to us. A very familiar passage to us. But I would have us to hear it afresh today and to take away a couple central lessons uh, that I think are just fundamentally transformative to us will give us great peace indeed in the midst of a world that knows so little peace and will make us peacemakers in a world that needs to know peace. See, if you would stand together, I'm going to read Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. Hear the word of the Lord. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold... An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in, the ma- in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known this saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Brethren, this is the good word of the Lord. May He bless it to our increase of faith and our joy and peace. You may be seated, brethren. Brethren, as I said, this is a a text that we have all heard Many, many times, I, I don't need to, uh, it's a common text. Of course, you, you probably like me, some of, you, some of you older ones, you said, having grown up, when you hear this text, probably the first thing, one of the first things that may come to your mind is, you know, the old Charlie Brown Christmas special. That, that is, a, you know, there's Linus in the old King James Version, but, you know, when, when Charlie comes to him and says, you know, he yells out, what is the meaning of Christmas? And Linus says, I know Charlie Brown, (laughs) and he goes up on the stage, and he quotes this text. Now, there were in the same country shepherds. It's about Jesus. It's about glory. It's about peace with God and a gospel that transforms people and nations and families. Brethren... It is about glory to God on the highest on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. I, I don't know if you noticed, as we're going to see, this, this, this message comes to shepherds, and we'll talk about that a little more in a minute, but the passage we read earlier from Micah chapter 5, 
I love the way that passage uh, ends in verse 4. It speaks of Jesus there prophesying of Christ and of Bethlehem, of Ephrathah, which is what this is referring, that unto you is born this day in the city of David, even in Bethlehem, a Savior. And this is the direct fulfillment of Micah 5. But it says in Micah 5, verse 4, And he, speaking of Jesus, will stand and feed his flock. He will stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God, of Jehovah, his God. And they shall abide. His flock will abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And then it concludes with this, verse 5. And this one, and this one shall be peace. That's what the angels were talking about in Luke And it's appropriate, you think, that he's coming and speaking of this one who will feed his flock. And to whom does he come? He comes to this group of, the the angels were sent to this group of ragtag shepherds out on this hillside. The most unlikely, you, you know, you would expect, you might think that this announcement surely would come in the palaces. Surely this would have gone directly about this king to, you know, to Herod and the, the rulers. And yet Herod... Hears about it only later on after the fact from some magi coming through. And... But he comes to shepherds. And I take great comfort in that. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, You see, brethren, not many noble, not many wise, not many who are respected, reputed among men whom the Lord has chosen, but the Lord has chosen the base things of this world. He has chosen the things which are not and the things which are despised in the world's eyes. Those are the ones whom the Lord has primarily chosen. Not exclusively. He brings, he brings wealthy people in and people of high estate as well. But He comes to the meek, to the lowly. He comes to shepherds. And brethren, the message that He comes with to them and that He comes with to you and to me today in the midst of a world that is going mad, fear not. Fear not. You know, we look at things around us today, we see evil in the high places. You know, we prayed earlier, magistrates who do not fear the name of the living God. They don't regard Jesus Christ and His Word. They don't have place, so many of our elected leaders... Brethren, this isn't something that's unique to us. <laughs> we, we all tend to think our, ours are the worst possible days. Surely this is, brethren, the shepherds, think of the context here. They were living in a, in a, in a, in a region. It was the land of God, but it was under occupation of hostile Roman forces that despised, that tolerated, but despised they, they were polytheists. They had no place for the living God. They despised the people of God. They were under bondage and oppression. They were sore oppressed. And to make matters worse, they had a leader, Herod, who himself was in bed with them, who was an agent of evil, who was taking, taking bribes and stuff from them and doing the Romans' work against the very people of God, his own people. Brethren, (laughs) these were people that were oppressed. And of all the people, surely the shepherds, 
Look at these shepherds. These were lowly people. These were, uh, just look at point one there. And I'll, I'll, Christ was born to us, as we said, not fear. But, but think of this. The good news, he comes to shepherds. And shepherds, they were humble, hungry. These were hurt, harassed, and yet hopeful people. They were the lowest of society. These were, you know, shepherds were not the esteemed class in any sense. It's not like, you know, most of the people, whatever they did, they didn't say, I want to grow up and I want to be a shepherd. (laughs) It was smelly, hard, difficult work, living day to day, mouth to mouth, despised by the Romans, you know, difficult lives. And yet these were shepherds, maybe they were hungry in their bodies, but they were these specific shepherds. And you can see by their response, the way they respond, when the angelic word comes to them, to you, to you, you shepherds, you who have probably heard the words of Micah and you have long waited like Simeon or like Anna. You have long believed and been waiting for this messianic king, the one who would come and would, unlike Herod, would reclaim righteousness and rule of this kingdom that you've heard proclaimed and restore the people of God. You have heard these things. and You've been watching. You've been waiting until you, shepherds, is born. You humble ones. You meek. You lowly ones. You hurt your asked ones, but who are hopeful and looking for the Messiah. This is good news. Jesus, you remind us, when he comes announcing the kingdom, what is the first thing he says? Blessed are the poor in spirit. That is to say, those who understand that, it didn't say poor in pocket. Maybe they were poor in pocket, but poor in spirit. Those who know and understand and rejoice that God, everything they have that they get, of grace, of the riches of God's bounty. They live by God day in and day out. They live on His good blessing and His good pleasure. They are dependent people. Jesus says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It is to them. And they're also the persecuted because remember how the Beatitudes end. Blessed are you when men persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice, be exceedingly glad. Well, how's that? How do you do that? You do that, as these shepherds were going to see, by believing the angelic message, the gospel, a joy that transcends your circumstances, a joy that transcends the pains and the things you're going through, that lifts us up above them. That's what was proclaimed. Jesus said, Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden and weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. I'm sure the shepherds understood plenty about yokes too. Take my yoke upon you. And they didn't, you know, say yoke, that's like an oxen. How insulting. Not though. No, no. What an honor to wear the yoke of Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. To be yoked together with his people. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden, you know, is easy. It's light. It's kind, literally the Greek word there. My burden is kind. It blesses and lifts you up. Brethren, this good news is for a shepherd-like people. I pray that we will be that. You will be that. Humble, meek, not weak, but meek. 
love Jesus, love his people, love his gospel. Really, we are dependent on him, and that's not a bad thing. That's a glorious thing. We abide in him, and he in us. We receive from his bounty, and we see that he is good. Number two, this good news, as I said, about a shepherd. It's about a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the announcement. A Savior who saves us from our sins first. Why did they tell him in Matthew 1? You will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins first. He will save them from their bondage to sin, bondage to the, the passions of the world, bondage to the lust of their own flesh, bondage to the, the devil and his works. And then he will save them from misery increasingly more the miseries attendant to sin, as well as he will, in due time, he will save them from the miseries of this world and sin. That doesn't mean they're not going to suffer. As we said a minute ago, they are going to suffer, but he is going to deliver them through the misery. Brethren, if Jesus, our great shepherd, suffered, we, we can expect that we will too. Jesus warned us of that. He said, but think back to the words we started with today, the beginning, our, our words. He says, in this world you will have tribulation. But I give you peace. That's a peace that can't be taken away. I will make even your suffering light because I am with you in it. And after I lead you through those valleys of the shadow of death, I will lead you to green pastures and good waters. Because I am the good shepherd, John 10. I know my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and they are called by my name. I know them and they follow me. And I lay down my life for them and I will bless them. Number three. This good news not only is about a savior, as it was said, but this good news is about a glorious kingdom and a king. He says, I declare to you one who is the savior, Christ the Lord. What did these shepherds need to hear? What do you and I need to hear? Where is it the, the message that is, brings hope and overcomes fear is that Jesus, our savior, is also the Christ. He is the Lord. He is the long-awaited, anointed Messiah. He is the root of David. That would grow out of the stump of Jesse. He is the one who will come and through whom will subdue the nations to himself. He is the one who, having suffered, now is risen and reigning on high, to whom all authority in heaven and earth have been given. He is the one who will rule until he's put all of his enemies under his feet in heaven and on earth. Brethren, that is our hope. That's what these shepherds were looking for. The, long, the son of David, they wanted to see this kingdom come in too. I like to think, and I think rightly, that these shepherds who heard this vision and then went and told everybody, later on, especially the younger of them, may have been among those then when John the Baptist comes preaching, you know, 30 years later. They were the ones, I think, who undoubtedly would have been baptized by John and would have been hearing this one about, there is one standing among you whom you know not, whose sandals I am not worthy to release one who will baptize with fire. I think they were probably among the first converts to this Jesus because they'd been looking for him and waiting for him. Brethren, that's our people. They're looking for Christ the Lord. And that word Lord, same word that in the Greek Old Testament, the Greek translation, Jehovah, I do think there's embedded in this mysteriously, but the Savior who is Christ, the Savior who is none other than Jehovah in the flesh, God with us. They were looking for that. What did Jesus come saying at the beginning? The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has come and is in your midst. Brethren, we are in that kingdom now if you're in Christ. 
He is your king and your sovereign. Our citizenship is from heaven, from which we eagerly await, Paul says in Philippians, a Savior who will transform our lowly bodies into conformity to his own body. Brethren, we are king, he is our king. And while, as I've said before, is not a sin in any way, you know, for people to pledge allegiance to the flag and to be faithful to our country as far as citizens. Brethren, if there is one flag above all flags that I will swear allegiance to, it is the flag and is the banner of Jesus Christ. I am not first and foremost, nor are you first and foremost an American. You're not even first and foremost a Presbyterian or Reformed. Those are wonderful things, brethren. You are first and foremost Christians, and Christ is your King. And He's a good King. He's a blessed King. And this good news, you notice he says here, is for all the people... Good tidings of great joy, which are for all the people. The Greek there is interesting. Our English text, New King James, King James say, which is to all people. Now, this is true. It is a, it is a message to all people. We're going to see this in other texts. I won't give you all those, but the gospel is told by Isaiah and Ezekiel that it was going to go to the nations. We're going to see after the, after the resurrection of Christ, Jesus is going to tell his disciples, Jerusalem first, then Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Jesus even said in John 10, speaking of his flock, I have others whom <laughs> I have others to gather in, right? Not just Jews, but Gentiles from the four corners of the world. You and me, right here in Illinois. <laughs> he has come and sought us out, and we are part of that kingdom. And the holy king of Israel, as Brother Rich Mullen says, he loves me here in America. <laughs> I rejoice in that fact. But brethren, it's to all the people, literally is what it is, the the the, the uh, the article is there to all the people. He's saying this kingdom is to all of the people of God, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. To all of the people of God, this message was going to go forth to the Jews first, and they were going to hear about their Messiah, the long-awaited one, and this message to them. It's for all the people, low and high, rich and poor, bond and free, Pharisees, as well as the commoners, the priests, and all. This is a good news that is to go out to all the people and is to all who will believe of the people of God, proclaiming salvation to all families of all nations. Though think as we saw last week in Psalm 22. Jesus comes and says, I will proclaim your praises in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. And what does Jesus say? Here am I and the children the Lord has given me. Right? We are signs and wonders in the earth. And it says that he goes forth and Jesus leads his congregation and prays his assembly and it goes forth and all the families of the nations, it says at the end of Psalm 22, will be converted. Not that every person, you know, it's not universalism, but that the gospel of Jesus Christ through the church in time and history, that through the church militant, the church faithful, all the nations, all the families of the nations will come and be converted. There will be an innumerable, vast multitude like we see there in Revelation Every tribe, tongue, and nation. I look forward to that. And that's part of what Jesus is doing and what we're part of, saints. It gets me excited. The good news is about seeing and savoring, exalting and exulting, praising and prizing the glory of God in the highest heavens. Again, look at this, the angelic announcement that was given to them here. I love, I love these words. Glory to God. That was the message. God is gloried. God's glory in the highest of the heavens. And on earth... As it is in heaven, brethren, we pray for that in the Lord's Prayer, right? 
that this would overflow and be manifest on earth. What is the overflow of God's God being glorified? What is the overflow of Jesus being, being risen, raised, reigning, exalted now? The answer is this. This gospel also brings peace on earth, goodwill from God toward men. I remind you that our Lord Jesus, He said that His kingdom was for the meek, it's for the lowly, it's for those who love and cherish the living God. I, I was... Um, I was thinking, there's something I read earlier this week I wanted to share with you. I think John MacArthur put it this way. I thought he said it well. He said, the kingdom of God is for the spiritually sick who want to be healed. (laughs) It's for the spiritually corrupt who want to be cleansed. It's for the spiritually poor who want to be rich in Christ and the things that matter. It's It's for the spiritually hungry who want to be fed the spiritually dead who want to be made alive. It's for ungodly outcasts who long to become God's own beloved children. Brethren, that is the kingdom. That is the kingdom to which we were called. And the Lord comes and He says, On earth peace, goodwill towards men. As I said, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He comes, yes, later we're going to see in Revelation. He's going to come on a charger for war in Revelation. That's Yes, He is, but... Now is the day, we're told Paul. Now is the appointed time. Now is the day of salvation. Before the end, Jesus comes and He has real peace and His kingdom brings peace to all who will put their faith in Him. He is, as we said, He is the preeminent Prince of Peace and peacemaker with men. Ephesians tells us that He has drawn near and preached peace to you who are far off and you who are near. He came and preached the peace of God and grace. Having been justified by faith, you have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by grace in favor into this faith by which you stand and you boast. You rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Brethren, that's what he's talking about here. Peace with God and we boast in hope of of God being glorified in and through us on heaven and on earth. Jesus is the one who creates peace with men. Yes, Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace in some sense, but a sword. Yes, he says that, you know, there will be, in his kingdom, there will be setting of fathers against mothers, right? There will be, a man's enemies may be those in his own household. We don't diminish that, nor do we diminish the fact, like Isaiah 57 says, that the the quote There it says that he came and speaks peace to all. But then Isaiah 57, while it quotes that, it ends with these words. There is no peace to the wicked. So even there, there's a distinction. It's not just this bland, generic peace, happy feelings to all. It's peace that transforms to those who were made righteous in Christ by an imputed righteousness. To those who love God. Brethren, I do want you to get the sense of this. And I want us to look at our own hearts because this is a genuine, liberal, outgoing offer and proclamation that God has goodwill toward men. I know some of our translations, some of your translations, you know, that borrow from the uh, supposedly earlier manuscripts. I'll get into that, but they'll say it doesn't mean that God has goodwill toward men. It means that he, only, he has goodwill toward men of goodwill, right? Some of your translations may say the oldest manuscripts (laughs) 
I'm not going to get into all that today to say, brethren, I believe that while it is true, it is not just this blind, generic peace to all men, it's to the righteous. But brethren, I want you to believe and understand the Lord himself is our God, is liberal and generous and gracious even to enemies. I do not take joy in the death of the wicked, he says, but that he should turn and that he should live. Remember the words of Lamentations 3. Why don't you turn there just real quick. It's the only passage I'm going to ask you to turn to today. But Think of Lamentations 3. I know our sisters recently in their book that they've been studying went through this passage. But I want us to hear these words again because this is fundamental. Lamentations 3. He talks in that book about how God's wrath is his strange attribute. It's a necessary attribute, but it is while it is necessary for the glory of God and he will be glorified even in his wrath and his just judgment of unrighteousness, it is not the fundamental to his nature, though he is and his wrath is poured out against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. It is. But look what Lamentations 3, verse 31 to 33 say. The Lord will not cast off forever, Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. Then verse 33, for he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. Brethren, when the angels came and preached peace on earth, goodwill to men, that's not a proclamation that everybody would be infallibly saved. But it is to say that God yearns for the souls of men. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost Saints of the living God. And I'm going to say this to us, especially Calvinists. We believe, I do, and I affirm, and we always will, that the living, holy God is a God who sovereignly determines from beginning to end His people. He is not surprised. He is God an elect company that will surely be saved for whom Jesus died. Brethren, from the foundations of the world, those whom He predestined, I believe that. But brethren, do not ever use that and set that doctrine over the reality that nevertheless, we may not fully understand it, but God does not take pleasure and delight in the death of the ungodly, but that they should live. And when we look at the world, what do you see around you? Do you look at them and say, well, you know, that co-worker, that co-worker, maybe, you know, he's struggling right now. That guy, boy, his marriage is a mess. He must not be one of the elect. <laughs> or do you look at that and say, Oh God, how can you use me because you placed me right here? How can I be the light to the world? Because you put me here to be light to him because maybe this guy is in fact one that you are seeking and pursuing through me. Lord, use me. We say like Jesus standing there over Jerusalem Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft I would have gathered you in. The mom under her wings, but you were not willing. You will, you know, you will see me no more until you say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. You say, there's Jesus weeping over the lost. Brethren, may that be so for us. Let me put it a different way. Brethren, may we who know the grace of the gracious God, may we not use our, belief, our, our firm conviction in the sovereign election and foreordination of God to excuse for hard-heartedness. To mass a hard heart towards the lost. That's the message these angels were bringing. Peace 
Our God is liberal. He is open and ready to save all that come to him. So here's the points, and I'll just conclude with this. Look at point two. Because Jesus was born to you and me, to shepherds and to you and me. Fear not, saints. Fear not. Let us walk in faith, hope, peace, and joy. Number one, do like the shepherds did. Follow their example. What did the shepherds do? First thing they did was draw near. The angels came and said, I proclaim to you about this babe in a manger, born to you, Christ the Lord. And so what did the shepherds do? Well, that's nice. What a great message. That was a great sermon. What did they do? Let us go and let us see this thing. We just heard about this babe in, in Bethlehem. Drop, drop your sheep. We'll leave them there. Drop your staff. Go. See this glorious thing. Draw near to the Lord. Right there and there's application one. In the midst of fear around you and Herod's hunger, oppression, difficulties, the lowly, what do we do? We draw near to the Lord. We come and see again and again the glory of God. This babe who grew up to be the God-man, who was the God-man and grew up to be the sovereign Savior. And number two, not only do we prove this good news by drawing near to come see and savor and worship, but number two, brethren, we go and we proclaim. Because look what the shepherds did. What did they do with this? It says there at the end of chapter 2 that they went and they told. Everybody around them, you won't believe, but we hope you do. Angels came to us and they said that the, the long-awaited Messiah is here. He is born in Bethlehem. Come with us. Believe, trust, look for him. The good news. Brethren, I just, I just want us to be as a people like the shepherds. That's a, you say, that's, a, that's a really plain application, Elder Steve. Yes, it is. <laughs> Brethren, you and I have heard the glorious sound. Share it. Tell others, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God to salvation for everybody who believes, neighbors and nations. And God has put you where you are in your sphere of influence to say, hey, there's a good Savior, there's a good shepherd, and I know him. And I'm his royal priest called to minister in his name to the world. Let me tell you about Christ. May I pray for you in the name of Jesus. Maybe you've got co-workers, people in your life that wouldn't listen to you hear the gospel, but they, if you say, but you know, your, your life's a mess. Can I pray with you right now in Jesus' name? They might receive that. But brethren, go and tell. Look for opportunities. Pray for opportunities to share the good news that you have heard of peace with God and may it overcome our fears of men, fears of past, fears of present, fears of things to come because we know, we conclude with Romans 8, you know, God has made peace with you and nothing can separate you from the love of God. May God give us grace to not live in fear, but to live in faith. Let's pray. Oh Lord, our God, we have heard the glorious sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. With the shepherds, we have heard and believed unto you is born this day a Savior who is Jesus Christ the Lord. He was born in lowly estate, wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger, you know, sharing with animals. Jesus came and he 
humbled himself, taking on our nature, and then humbled himself even further, even to the point of death. But Lord, we also know that he is now highly exalted with the name above all names. And he's not just king, he is our king. He's not just a shepherd savior, he's our shepherd savior, and he's also the savior of the world. So Father, I pray for myself first and for my brethren, beloved in the Lord. Would you take away from us this day all fear? As we go and we think today, may we say, what is it I'm fearing? What am I afraid of? Of people or of circumstances or things that are true or things that may come to pass or may not. The future, afraid of the past, afraid of whatever. Father, may your peace be upon us. Drive out our fears. May we be able to rest in you, our sovereign and good shepherd, knowing that you will never leave or forsake us. And we'll go anywhere with Jesus. So Lord, help us to be people who fear not because we know him who is the glory and because his good will, his true peace has been revealed to us on earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.